funny intro. <laughs> yeah, just the vocal exercises. <laughs> Welcome back to Wayfinding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just at all different uh, intervals. Welcome back to Wayfinding. Welcome back to Wayfinding. <laughs> Welcome back to Wayfinding. <laughs> every single, every single iteration. Well, welcome back to Wayfinding, as we demonstrated. It's been a little while. It's been it's been a little bit. Yeah. But it, we we've been gone at the weekend, which is mm-hmm. our student ministry like weekend retreat. All of us were kind of involved in different aspects. Fa- yeah, facets of it. Either video coverage, Dylan, you were helped out with support staff, and Daniel, you led the. All of the junior hires, right? Yep. All of the junior hires from one of the campuses, from Central Campus. So that was that was really exciting. We were just mm-hmm. all over the place there. But that was really fun. Tell me about your experience on that. So I'll narrow this down to, like, <laughs> I had an idea. Let's talk about the weekend. Like, that'd be a good icebreaker thing. What's funny stories? I'll share my funny. I think what is a funny story. So... We had a foot flag, or yeah, flag football championship mm-hmm. after it had rained because mm-hmm. somebody's just full of great ideas. I was like, oh, we could do that in the sanctuary area. You just have to like protect the sound equipment. Sure. But for the most part, like we could do it, especially the championship because there was only one team or two teams playing uh-huh. one game. That idea was quickly shot down. Uh huh. Which I thought was a great idea. <laughs> there was the concrete, which you had to be careful of. Like, make sure you don't bust your nose open. Uh-huh. But, I mean, it's better than twisting your ankle in the mud. <laughs> and so we had Nathaniel Biashi. Is that his, I don't know how uh-huh. to say his last Biyashi? name. Uh-huh. Yeah. He decided to be on a team. Nathaniel himself is good at many things. Football is not one of them. Dang. (laughs) He's great to support his team. Yeah. Playing. He was subbed out. He was subbed out most of the game and he was the team captain. Oh, no. Okay. And he has a problem staying off the field while he isn't playing. Oh. (laughs) He gets too into it. (laughs) Yes. The amount of times that I've had to tell him to get off the field because he's going to get hit by a football or get ran over (laughs) is incredible. (laughs) That's awesome. Also, during the flag football game, Miss Cindy, you know, five foot three oh, yeah. at most, stiffed arm Josh Serber. Oh, hard. <laughs> That's hilarious. It was incredible. <laughs> oh, also, I just found out Josh Serber just had arm surgery. Uh, and, his, and one of the person had a picture of him catching a ball, and his dad saw it. Uh. He was like, he wasn't supposed to be playing football. <laughs> He's playing right now. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I had a great time. Good. It was an eye-opening to see all the parts that go into it. Mm-hmm. This was your first. So you just graduated mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. So this was your first time being involved as a leader in yeah. that aspect. Yeah. It was cool to see all the campuses work together because mm-hmm. we had volunteers from North, Northwest and central. Mm-hmm. And when we got there, well, when I got there, it was just me and Jason who set up then everything we needed. Yeah. And we're like, Oh, we're going to be doing the most of the work, like the entire weekend, like not looking forward to this. Mm. But then everybody else got there and it was really cool to see how like none of us really knew each other. But we all knew that, like, we're here for Jesus. We're all from the same church. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool just to see us all work together and really just get to know each other over the 48-ish hours that we yeah. had. And especially, like, and the emphasis on, emphasis on like, the one church. Because most of the time, like, you'll look at, like, the cabin leaders. And they'll be like, oh, like, let's do this and this to this cabin. But then as a support staff, we're like, oh, we're all here. We're the same reason. Yep. Like it's all one church, and that was mm-hmm. really cool to see. Yeah, I love that like big C church type mindset, mm-hmm. and even I mean, this is smaller scale than just big C church, but I, I love keeping that at the forefront of like we are all Mission City. There's no yeah. competition between like 
there shouldn't be negative competition between campuses mm-hmm. of like oh, down with the others because we're the better ones. No, 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 no. Like this is what <laughs> you understand the novelty of us being able to rent out an entire campsite. Yeah. To some people, maybe that's what they've always done. But for me, like I remember growing up and just like we had to go alongside other things mm-hmm. and we had very little to do with like the planning of it, the organization, the we, we we barely got to do anything. It's a privilege for us to be able to be in this position where we can re- rent out an entire campsite program the entire weekend to be maximizing time for students to get together, to have fun, to play games, but also have Worship experience is incredible teaching, and I loved the breakout sessions. Yeah. I don't know how, how Daniel, how did your students uh, react to the breakout sessions? Because you had, I mean, it's junior higher, so it's kind of interesting to hear uh, that. Well, most of my students actually went to the, what's it, the Alaskanic one. Huh? Mm-hmm. They, surprisingly, the Northwest boys were more rowdy than my boys. My boys sat through the whole thing and were like really respectful over it. And I think it really helped them because a lot of them are starting to get into that stuff and they have an idea now what to do. Yeah. Like just putting, I know sport, a lot of what she was saying sports, God before sports pretty much. Mm-hmm. And it's just seeing the way they were taking all that information. That's awesome. Really good for them. I, I really liked when they announced, like, hey, we're doing the breakouts, can you get the slide up or, or whatever, mm-hmm. they like brought it up to us. And and then you, you put the slide up, Dylan, and I was like, what is this? Also, they had – so incredible topics, right? Mm-hmm. They, and we had somebody talking about apologetics, about biblical leadership, about finances, about relationships, about, uh, as you mentioned, athletics, like how to – what was the focus? Like how to – Keep God at the center even when you have, like, athletic obligations or whatever. Something along those lines, mm-hmm. right? Uh, all sorts of different things. And then there was defense against the dark arts. <laughs> and I'm like, why are you – I really just wanted to hear the explanation of, like, what are you teaching in defense of the dark arts? And why is that the only one that has a cool title? Like, I really wanted that. And I really wanted whoever was teaching Defense Against the Dark Arts to be in a in like a long black cloak. <laughs> I wish they explained those a little bit more. Yeah. It's like because I had boys ask me because they couldn't didn't hear it exactly. Huh. And I couldn't explain it to them. Uh, yeah. Also, my boys really for other people, they wanted more breakout sections. They'd rather mm-hmm. have had more more time for that more time for breakout sessions yeah. than the preaching probably and free time huh? yeah i think we from what i heard from uh, some of the student staff that was a common feedback that like the breakout sessions was actually really really good and the only bad thing about the the breakouts was that there was only one time for it and they would want to have at least gone to like another one or a third one because they wanted to hear from a few different topics yeah so i know like the student team mentioned like have your you know divide and conquer send your friends take notes mm-hmm. and you can compare later it y- yes but there is like there's an excitement to being able to go to all of yeah. the different sessions and like actually hearing it yourself. And it's so uh, I, I think that's something they are going to work on for next time because I, I haven't seen a student weekend have that. Yeah. That was really cool in the, cause that, that is an adult thing. Mm-hmm. That's like when you go to a conference, <laughs> then they'll have, the breakout sessions that you you get to choose. Okay, during this hour, it's going to be this six topics that's going to be talked about. Now the next hour, it's going to be another six topics, and then you miss the first six. It's the, actually not the same six in the second hour. It's a completely different six. So you're even more screwed at those conferences. Um, but incorporating the breakouts in that fashion for a student weekend was really cool, mm-hmm. I thought. So, yeah. 
I definitely agree with like the like you shouldn't have to send your friends like there should be more opportunities for it. And I get that we only had f- not even 48 hours there. Yeah, it's a short weekend. And I feel like what you get out of it, your friend might not get out of it and vice versa. Yeah. And so somebody could be taking notes of something completely different than what they're saying and it messes your lesson up. Mm-hmm. I could see that. How did you – well, first, let's continue. Daniel, <laughs> funny story that you had. Do you, Is there a particular funny story that you had from the weekend? I mean, <clears throat> I, like I told – so we do this WrestleMania night kind of thing. Yeah. Alleged. Mm-hmm. The allegedly. There's unconfirmed. A, unconfirmed uh, thing. Allegedly <laughs> with the student staff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go for it. But I've, everybody was asked, telling me I need to wrestle Caleb's server. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to get hurt. I don't need it. <laughs> I don't need this. So, yeah. And I go over to them and we start talking. He's like, I know you didn't want to wrestle me. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I just beat you. I would, did you say I would just beat you? Yeah. Huh? Oh, my he's gosh. Like, okay, let's run it. Famous <laughs> <laughs> <his> last words. <laughs> so him and me wrestle. I get through two. My first, win the first round. Second round, I win. Third round, he gets on top of me and gets me in a chokehold. Huh? But we're going to say I'll beat him. Um. No. <laughs> Again, all of this is alleged, so I completely had the upper hand. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. That was real fun. Just all the students. Yeah. My students and students have seen me, like, all hyped that I, I could actually Wrestled. wrestle and be. Yeah. Good at it. Oh. I went in that room for five minutes. The smell and the heat I, coming I out of it. I believe it. Miss, like I, I couldn't even be in there for five minutes. I was like, I thought Dan was like Dylan, Daniel, Kyler's like Dylan. Do you want to go watch WrestleMania with me? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm sure. Like I'm sure he's gonna end it. This is his first weekend. Oh yeah. yeah. He walks in and he sees Theo and he goes, oh well, <laughs> <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, we're gonna have to bleep the names. <laughs> None of this happened. <laughs> I guess we'll see where this goes. I walk in. I'm sitting in a corner because last thing I want to do is get huddled in with everybody. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I can't even stay in the smell in here. Yeah. Like it's it's humid. I yeah. I know it had just rained, but the room had AC and it was still humid. Like, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, it's rough. So I went and laid in my own little comfy bed. There you go. Oh, then I came over to Dylan's place to take a shower. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I get out of the shower and I hear Jason talking to somebody. I'm like, is he talking to himself? <laughs> like, what's going on? Jason's lost it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't think this weekend was that hard. <laughs> like, and then I hear Daniel, because it was all behind the wall. I'm like, oh, uh, Daniel's here. Yeah. I don't know what he wants. And then I just hear, yeah, Dylan better hurry up in that shower. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Objective identified. <laughs> yes. Uh, Dylan, how was being support staff? How did you enjoy being a support staff member? Or did you not enjoy it? I liked it a lot. I feel like I would continue being a support staff, especially during school. Because I feel like being a leader takes up a lot of energy. And for me, I had to rush the week before to get all my schoolwork done that was due that weekend because I know like Super Bowl was happening. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have time to do my homework because mm-hmm. Sunday night I would just go home and take a nap. And so that was definitely like nice and relaxing, like going up a little early, helping set up. Mm-hmm. It's not far of a drive at all. Yeah, it was not bad. And so it was definitely nice of like you can kind of relax, but like whenever work needs to get done, you got to be there. Sure. And like during the day, it'd be like, okay, set this up. Oh, this isn't where this goes. Change that. Mm-hmm. And there is definitely like a lot of opportunity to rest. And I'm really glad for that. Nice. The, the reason I ask you how you felt about it is because I remember leaving the weekend and just like thinking through. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm like watching you run around and like mm-hmm. drive around and doing all these things. And the thought that came to mind was like, man, I, I feel like Dylan's actually like thriving. Oh, yeah. In this, uh, like, scenario, in, in this environment. Mm-hmm. And the thought I had was, like, is this, like, I actually think Dylan should not be 
This is as weird as it sounds. I think Dylan should not be a leader. I think <laughs> Dylan's like built for for yeah. support staff role. Now, not to say that you shouldn't be a leader. Like you, if you if you feel like the Lord is calling you to be a leader, go be a leader. Go go teach the students. But just again, the observation was just like you do a really good job at the organization side of things, mm-hmm. the setup side of things, the, your, your mind is just built for that. And so I just saw you doing a great job being support staff yeah. and even just, again, it's your first time doing it, but officially, and I just thought you did a great job. Yeah. I considered it kind of a vacation because it's in the middle of the school week, mm-hmm. or like school time. And I didn't have any homework. And I don't like I hate normal vacations where you just kind of like sit around or you yeah. do something, but most of the time it's at a beach, and sure. I don't do beaches. Mm-hmm. I don't do mud either, but we all know how well that worked out. Yeah, I'd only spent an hour today cleaning butt off my truck. No biggie, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Thank God for the water. Amen. And so yeah, it was just nice, like especially like just cruising around mm-hmm. and like oh that kid isn't doing what they're supposed to. Go, hey, go do what you're supposed to. Yeah. And it's like. <laughs> Stop being dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and then even still just like being around the kids mm-hmm. necessarily. Because mm-hmm. I feel like when you think of support stuff, you're like, oh, you're all behind the scenes. Not really. I mean, like, the granted, there are some times where, like, they aren't going to see you. Yeah. But that's not something I want to be praised or worshipped for. Yeah. I, I want to be there to be like, oh, I'm here to set up. I'm here to help stuff that happens behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. I think that's like really what I like. Mm -hmm. For me, it was like a whole, when I was, because I did the support staff the year before that, Mm -hmm. it felt like I had to do all the work because it depends on your team though, really. Yeah. From my team, it felt like I had to get everybody to do everything, get everybody to do, Mm. get everything done, pick up stuff because nobody wanted to do anything. Mm. But I also enjoyed it. And I wish I could do another year of it. But I also like the side of stu- being with students also because they get to pour into them mm-hmm. uh, and learn stuff from the other leaders. Uh. With you, I noticed you're getting more comfortable in that. Like I remember last year compared to this year is a big difference between just like your your experience and your outlook on being a student leader. So, like, you're really coming into that role of, like, shepherding or just being with the junior hires. So, like, you've also grown into that as well. Like, last year, I wouldn't be jumping with the kids. I was getting them hyped this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Daniel, did you hear Benny broke his camera? You broke your camera? So, here, okay. So... I just want to point out, after multiple people told him not to put his camera like that, he still put his camera like that. <laughs> Alleged. <laughs> okay, so you know I have my my gimbal? Yeah. Okay, so I had this idea, and I saw it on, on TikTok or something like a long time ago, but it I was once again reminded of it when I arrived at camp, and I was like, I'm going to take my monopod, screw it to the bottom of the gimbal, take off like the tripod legs that the gimbal has, Mm -hmm. put on the monopod, and then that way I can have an extended arm for the gimbal. It gives me a, a, a longer reach for the gimbal movement. So I attached this whole thing, and then the imagery came to mind of like, my gimbal is Mjolnir and extending it. I've been upgraded to Stormbreaker. And so I've, I was like, this is super dope. I'm walking, around, <laughs> I'm walking around feeling like a boss. And so <laughs> it's great. It actually did like come in handy a lot because I could get over the crowds of students mm-hmm. more than just like having the gimbal by itself. So it was great. But I, I did like rest. The, the problem is my monopod. I don't have legs then. It's literally just the one stick. And so I always have to like find something to like rest the gimbal on or rest the whole thing on, rest Stormbreaker on. And I think it was at 
what was it? The first late night. And I thought it was the second. I think no, it, no, it was first the first. Uh, so it was late night. I set down Stormbreaker next to me because I'm managing something with sound. And I look back and Stormbreaker is not on the ledge. Stormbreaker's on the ground. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. And I look at it and I'm like, ah, oh, it's probably fine. And the, a little piece of the plastic, the edge of the plastic got bent in. So we're going to, we're repairing it. But then afterwards, I was, I was telling Gabe, I'm like, Stormbreaker, more like Lensbreaker. Breakdown <laughs> 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 crying. <laughs> so. I went from like the almighty high of highs <laughs> to the lowest of lows. <laughs> Can't trust you with nice things. Huh? Yeah. Thankfully, it's the church camera. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah, all this is alleged. It really, it's just like a uh, anachronism for something. Allegedly, we had the weekend. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, that was my funny story, I guess. <laughs> Dylan, you got any questions for us for this week or? Was it just all covering the, the weekend? I can whip something up. I just got to load it really quick. He has a password protected. Huh? Mm-hmm. It's an important I, note document. That's, <laughs> that's my social security number. Oh, <laughs> wrong note. <laughs> Who is Jesus to you? Dang. Okay. I don't want the basic, oh, Lord and Savior. We get that. We know. <laughs> yeah, we get it. You lose Jesus. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. The way I most, the way I would describe Jesus of who he is to me, and it, to me, the, the concept kind of overlaps with the Trinity role as, as, as God. Mm-hmm. So God, the father, God, the son, God, the spirit, Th- then they <laughs> apply it to me. I see them as like loving and caring father. To me, they are the ultimate guide, the ultimate father, the ultimate teacher. I learned so much from Jesus and his word, even just to consider the, the way that Jesus lives his life. The example he led is the example is the life he led is the example that I should base my life on in the sense of like the characteristics that he displayed to people. So, to me, that's that's what he is. Is like he is the he is the ultimate. He is the 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 greatest one I look to, and he's so personal. Mm-hmm. Like it's not it's not only that Jesus or God is like this super far up far above the clouds type person. It's like, no, no, no. Like he's actually just like here with you. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it so profound is like, he is also just so immensely powerful, so immensely knowledgeable, so immensely beyond anything we can imagine. And he's here Mm -hmm. in the simple in the mundane, in the day-to-day, I, I, I think a lot of that like is just how I view Jesus just constantly. Yeah. Why are you giving me that look? You're giving me like a watch. It's like, your turn. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to answer. <laughs> yeah, no, what, what about you? What do you think? Comforter? Hmm. I don't know. I've just I've had to think about it a lot more now because mm-hmm. I just thought of like what Dylan said because give him – answer what Dylan said previously uh, or my father that but comforter uh, this I realized like leading worship and stuff now mm-hmm. and having to get in, going out of my spot was even at the weekend and leading worship he's I've had to re- put 
myself with him more, mm. and he's been comforting me more. Mm-hmm. It's just I lately that's just that's been where, where I'm in my life where I just need comforting. So I've had. I thought I'd be crazy nervous for leading worship, but God was there comforting me, and I wasn't as nervous. And yeah, I just felt Him there. Even was lead, just leading students too. I was able to get with students, mm-hmm. hype them up, get them to actually pay attention and stuff. Mm-hmm. And He was there comforting me. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I'd say for me, He's like an owner's manual. Because hmm. when you think of an owner's manual or instructions. You think of something designed for that product. Like you, you can't put an owner's manual and you can't put an F-150 owner's manual on a Lamborghini. Like it's yeah. not going to work. Yeah. And so you look at it like God is our owner's manual made for us, but you produce the owner's manual first and build the truck or vehicle around that. Mm-hmm. And so... A lot of it looks like, for me, I would say it's his instructions on how to do something. Because hmm. you can't be working on a vehicle and not know where the jack point is. Because then, if you're chaining a spare tire on the side of the road, you're going to get a hole in your car. Yeah. And so, a lot of it is like, he is our instructions of where we should be, how we should live, who should we follow, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Hmm. It's a very interesting picture. But I like the analogy of of God. To me, I connect that more to, like, his word. Mm -hmm. You know, scripture is, like, a very easy analogy to be, like, that's your owner's manual. Yeah, that's really cool. We have been just following along on this journey as Jesus is proclaiming his godhood, proclaiming who he is. Uh, We just read through many instances of him talking to Pharisees, and we end with him explaining that maybe you guys are blind. Maybe it is you, the Pharisees, who have become blind to the truth. And now in John chapter 10, he continues with these illustrations showing who Jesus is. So I'm going to go from verse 1 through 21. It says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, and so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will go go and find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. So the wolf attacks and sat and then scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. 
I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down, and I want to. And I also, sorry, and also to take it up again, for this is what my Father has commanded. When he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Some said, he's demon-possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? And others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of a blind? So, there's actually a lot of imagery here. If we unpack some of what Jesus is saying, there's a lot, like there's a, a deeper picture that Jesus is explaining through this analogy. I think the initial is... He, he starts with this picture of painting you the scene. You have the sheepfold, you have the gate, and the robber is somebody who will ignore the gate and just jump over the fence to get access to the sheep. The true shepherd will be the one who walks to the gate, and then the sheep will follow the shepherd because they know his voice. They would not, the sheep, and in the sheepfold, there's many sheep, sheep that belong to all sorts of people. The ones that belong to that shepherd will know his voice and none of the others will follow him. And you, the, the sheep that do belong to the shepherd won't get wrangled in by someone who doesn't, who, whose voice they don't recognize. So, he paints this picture first, and then he elaborates. And in these details, he actually talks through different facets of who he is and what he's going to do. So, he starts by talking about how he is the gate. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. So, what does that mean? What is Jesus saying by, I am the gate and it is only through me that you will find the green pastures? That kind of paints a picture in my head of like two different fields. One has super green, nice, tall grass. And the other one is barren, dirt, mm-hmm. and dead grass everywhere. And you have these sheep in the dead and barren grass. And then you see one of these sheep stray off from the crowd, different, a different sheep stray off from the crowd and go towards that nice green grass. And the gates open. But then you have another sheep that's timid, scared, and they go to that green grass, but they don't get anything from it. They, the gate closes on them. And so I feel like that kind of, that image explains, if you're going to follow God, go all in. Hmm. Yeah, that's a very interesting uh, uh, addition to to this, an additional thought to the imagery of the gate. Jesus shows, Jesus is depicting how he is the only way that we can get to that green pasture, how he is the only way that we can get into heaven. Again, we started the entire reading of John with very familiar passage of I am the way, the truth and the life of of Jesus being the way, you know? So we are definitely not all just taking B reels right now. I thought we were going to do it all smoothly. Like nobody's going to (laughs) know. I get it in my mind. (laughs) I "I have to lighten up the shot. Uh, Of course you, of course you thought that many, dude, I can't like, 
I can't do be real like not professionally. I have to intentionally do it unprofessionally. It's so <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Jesus is trying to depict how he or, or is explaining he is the way into heaven. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is the gate into the green pastures. We have the famous verse, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. He says this and likens it to the sheep coming into the pasture and having the freedom to go freely, to come and go freely in the green pastures. Mm. He is saying, come to me and you will find freedom and satisfaction in the fields that I have. So in the life that Jesus calls us to, that is where he is able to, he will provide for us. He will take care of us. And he says that you, we will have a more satisfying life through following his, by going through his gate. He then continues in the illustration and he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. And here he's connecting to what he's going to do. He is going to give his life for his sheep. And here he, he says the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. So the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for money and doesn't really care about sheep. To me, that is an analogy for people who are in it for the wrong reason, who are leading for a wrong reason. So following the illustration, you have a hired hand. I need you to go hang out in the field and make sure the sheep don't do anything dumb. They're dumb sheep. They're going to, but you know, but Hey, I need you to go take care of my sheep. Send, send in the hired hand, but a wolf comes and the hired hand is not going to stay because for them, it's not worthwhile. And you realize that the people that run when the wolf comes had no investment and had no like personal interest or yeah, just no investment in Dedication. the, well, the lives of the sheep. He didn't truly care for the sheep. He was just there for the money, yeah. as he says. He's like, they're just there for, to get a paycheck. But they run when the wolf is coming because they're just care, they only care about their own life. And so it's like the illustration that we've sometimes heard of like a dude shows up at a church and says anyone who's willing to lay down their life for – for what they believe, like stand up and they're waiting there with weaponry or whatnot. And they're ready to shoot anybody who stands up for their faith. And the illustration is like everyone who's not panics and runs. And everyone who says like, no, I'm willing to like stand up for my faith. They stay. And then the person who ran in there with the firearm just takes off his mask and he goes, all right, pastor, I got rid of all the fake Believers, you can proceed with your message now. And it's just this picture of like, you can tell where a person's investment is. Mm -hmm. When you're a hired hand, you only care about the paycheck. But the shepherd cares for a sheep. The shepherd is there and will lay his life down for the, the sheep. Yeah. As he continues... Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. 
They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. I think that is also a very interesting part to include because what is what is Jesus saying? Jesus Jesus is speaking to this group of Israelites or, you know, the, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people. And he's explaining to them, he's like, hey, I am the good shepherd who takes care of his sheep. There's sheep in the sheepfold. And the shepherd is the one who comes in through the good gate, like through, through the gate and lays his life down in, uh, for the sake of the sheep. And they're like, yeah, you know, that's what we see the shepherds do. They take care of their sheep. And he goes, so I will, I am the good shepherd who takes care of their sheep. I know who are my sheep. My sheep know who I am. And by the way, there's others. And it, it kind of pauses for a second because it's like what this is alluding to is the nature of Right now, Jesus is speaking to the Jews, but they, Jesus did not come only to the Jewish people. He did not come only for the Jewish people. He came for the sake of everyone who may believe. And so he is telling everyone, Hey, guess what? You are my sheep in this sheepfold that I am here and I'm going to lay my life down for. Oh, and by the way, I also have sheep in other sheepfolds. The Gentiles, everyone else, that the, the Samaritans that they like hate and despise. He's like, by the way, there's going to be a lot more than just you. And guess what? I'm still the good shepherd. And I'm still laying my life down for them too. Yeah. <clears throat> the father loves me because I sacrifice my life so that I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. Once again, he's speaking to his sacrifice on the cross. He is alluding to that. He hasn't done it yet. He's alluding to what he's going to do. He's like, by the way, everyone's going to think that they killed me. The devil will think that he is the one who put me on the cross and he has the victory. Nobody can take my life. I am the one who sacrifices it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. So he's like, I can, I can lay down my life for my sheep when I want to. So I see the wolf coming. I am going to sacrifice my life. I can, I can lay down at the gate for the sake of my sheep. Oh, and by the way, I also have the power to take it up again. And it's like, wait a minute. How are you able to sacrifice your life and pick up your life at the same time? Jesus is already telling people, I have the power to just come back. This is what my father has commanded. So he finishes up. He's, he has completely outlined, this is what I'm about to do for you. He's trying to convey it in a way that they understand. Mm -hmm. They understand the illustration of uh, a shepherd keeping his flock and the flock being amongst other flocks altogether in a sheepfold. And so he's using that as an illustration so that they would understand who he is and, and what is his role amongst them. Their reaction is once again, just this mixed feelings. I feel like John just includes this because he just wants to, he wants to show how divisive it is. He wants to show how, People are trying to decide much like how people now, now, like this is still happening today, much like how people today are still looking at all the evidence and they have to make that call. Either this man's just crazy and he's talking about sheep for no reason <laughs> or there's something behind it. 
they have to make that decision. Mm-hmm. So these people, they, they, they once again are, are caught in between and they're, and they're like, well, clearly he's demon possessed and out of his mind. The others are like, I don't know. It doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Like, and, and he just performed a miracle. And so they're going back and forth. People have to make that decision for themselves. Would one of you read 22 to the end? Really quickly. I got oh. three things. Yes. Imagine being the people that were like, Oh, that's what he meant when he said he was going to go away. Uh, <laughs> was having I, like that realization. <laughs> I wonder how many like aha moments there were <laughs> after Jesus yeah. came back. Like, like Jesus dies on the cross. And not even at that point. Because like at that point, they're just like, dang. They we really kind of ca- saw it coming. Well, no, no, no. Even then they're like, dang, he really just died. And, <laughs> and then it has to be three days later. <laughs> <laughs> that he comes back and suddenly everyone's like, oh. yo, hold on. He he straight up said, like, this man can, like, lay, p- pick up his life. Didn't we kill him Friday? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't he dead, like, a minute ago? Yeah. <laughs> Wonder how many aha moments there were. <laughs> I can't, like, also just imagine Jesus, like, waking up and be like, Phew. Here we go again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just having the ro- stone roll away and be like, all right. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> Skipping out the grave. Huh? Why does the Bible always refer to the shepherds and sheep for illustrations? Much of it is because of the people that it speaks to. So the 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 context at which it was written to was for people who were like nomadic sheep herders. Like they're doing all, all sorts of just like that. That was the industry. Sheep shepherds were commonplace. They're all over the place. And so he wanted to use that illustration because it's something that everyone would understand what their role is. Mm -hmm. The, there is multi-layered illustration in using a sheep many times we are likened to sheep because we are we cannot do anything of our own volition meaning we're dumb (laughs) and we're like like if you take care of sheep you literally watch them and they're just stupid they don't know what to do (laughs) Other than like walk around and eat grass. <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, that's they'll fall over and they like can't get back up or something. Like, I, I don't know. Or there's that clip on TikTok or wherever where the the shepherd helps the sheep get out of like this little little ditch that it fell into. Oh, yeah. And then the sheep like skips off happily and then 30 feet over falls back <laughs> into the ditch. And it's just like you dang sheep, man. Like, <laughs> so some of that uh, is another reason why it's used is just like the imagery of a creature that has to be cared for and cannot defend itself. A sheep has nothing to defend itself against the wolf. Yeah. The wolf will always be able to take advantage of the sheep. So, the illustration is is there because it's just so multi-layered mm-hmm. of like it applies to just the fragility of human nature, the weakness of our power. Like we don't have any power or authority. It shows the authority that the shepherd has. It shows the care and love that the shepherd has. So... I, th- I think that's a combination of those two things are why I think it's always used is there is so much that the illustration speaks to. So it's just, it works for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, it connects heavily with the people that the books are actually written to in its historical context. Yeah. Also, what's the plural of sheep? Sheep. Is it really? I was thinking, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Because I was thinking sheeps, shapes. Yeah. <laughs> shapes. <laughs> look at all those shapes. <laughs> Sheepies. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I was really going through. I'm like, 
it has to be sheep. Like that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's straight up sheep. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's a single or plural sheep, it's just a sheep. I'm gonna start calling them shapes. Like <laughs> yeah. Look at all those shapes. <laughs> Everyone's just like, what? <laughs> Does back at it again? Does back at it again? Still. Now I'm just picturing like a field of like a triangle on legs. And then a square on legs and then a circle. <laughs> all these, all the shapes. <laughs> a dodecahedron. <laughs> it's just Dylan's autism kicking in now. Wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> now I got to apologize to all the viewers. Yeah. No, Dylan's got autism. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> all right. Would one of you want to read 22 through 42? I will. Then came the Feast of the Dedication. In Jerusalem, it was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple area of Solom, an area in Solomon's portico? Mm-hmm. That sounds mm-hmm. like a porter potty No, it, it's, a, it's a different piece of structure. Oh. That's what I thought when you said that. <laughs> yeah, I fully thought like a little toilet. I'm like, oh man, no, no. I'm 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 pretty sure a portico is like an awning type situation. Are you looking it up? Yeah, we need to have a designated Googler, right? Okay, portico, a structure consisting of a roof supported by columns at regular intervals, typically attached as a porch to a building. So yeah, it's oh. like a awning type situation. Gazebo. Yes, but attached to a building. So to the bathroom. Uh-huh. To a building. It's, <laughs> it, it's literally like the... Uh, Exebo with attachment issues. It's like the carport. Uh, it's the carport thing that's out front of the church okay. here. <laughs> I'm just going to call it a, a gazebo with attachment issues. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Separation anxiety. <laughs> All right, keep going. <laughs> the Jewish leaders surrounded him and asked... How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus. Well, let's just get down to it. They're yeah. like, straight up, listen, Jesus, are you God or not? <laughs> We're tired of it. <laughs> All you do is keep talking about sheep. <laughs> but if you think about it, they still won't believe it. Uh, well, yeah, yeah no, if you straight up. Straight yeah. up. If you even told them, yeah, I'm God. Yeah. No, you're not. Uh, yeah. Keep going. I gave you what you wanted. Still, we don't believe it. <laughs> well, no, straight up. Go, go verse 25. Jesus replied, I told you and you do not become, and you do not believe the deeds I do in my father's name testify about me. But you are, but you refuse to believe because you are not my sheep. My oh, sheep. There he goes again. <laughs> my sheep listen to my voice and I know them. And they will follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them from my hand. My Father who had (laughs) given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them from my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Jesus, the, the Jewish leaders, picked up rocks again to stone him to death. Jesus said, to them i have shown you many good deeds from my father for which one of them are you going to stone me (laughs) wow he's like all right all right what is it this time (laughs) what are you gonna stone me for this time let's get it over with i like how he's just like like okay i'm straight up picturing him like this is at dinner (laughs) well but no they're at the portico wait they're having dinner outside. Oh, that isn't the festival. Yeah. Anyway, the picture in my mind was straight up Jesus just like at the dinner table, just sitting there. Somebody walks up and they're like, all right, Jesus, are you God or not? Just tell us straight up. <laughs> and he's like, I did. And you don't believe me. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> he's like, you don't understand because you're not my sheep. And then they pick up rocks and he goes. All right, now what? <laughs> take one, pass it down. Take one, pass it down. <laughs> I feel like they're acting more like sheep, though, because they're being dumb. Ah, uh, see? <laughs> the illustration. <laughs> well, he's calling us sheep, if you think about it. He's calling everyone sheep. 
His no, you're right. Everyone's sheep. What is he saying? He said, "You don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them. They follow me." Mm-hmm. So he's saying, "Everyone, everyone is like sheep." The thing is, if you belong to me, you will recognize my voice. Here he is. He's giving all of these illustrations and and telling everybody, showing everybody that he is God who has come to earth. He He has come in the name of his father to extend the hand of rescue for sin, from sin. And he is explaining to them. You don't understand because you're not my sheep. You don't get it. But my sheep will get it. My sheep will hear my voice. As I explain who I am, my sheep hear me. Let's continue in verse 33. Do you think they can hear that? Maybe. No, it's too far. It's too okay, it's too slight. I purposely put it that far away and try to be so careful about it. <laughs> yeah, let's continue in verse 33. The Jewish leaders replied, We are not going to stone you for a good deed, but for blasphemy, because you, a man, are claiming to be God. I like how they're just in total denial of it, even though they ask the question. Mm-hmm. And it's just so funny. Like, yeah, we're not going to stone you because you did a good deed. You're just lying. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing, right? Like Jesus says, like, okay, I've done so many good things for my people. Which one of the things are you stoning me for? And they're like, it's not a good thing. We are stoning you because of blasphemy. (laughs) (laughs) And so Jesus replies, 34. It is not written in your law. I said, You are gods? That's a weird question. If those people to whom the word of God came were called gods, I go to lowercase g. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mine mine says it, mine words are a little different. It is written in your own scriptures that God said, capital G, God said to certain leaders of the people, I say you are gods but little G. That's really cool. Verse 35. If those people who, whom the word of God came, God, word of God came, were called God's quotation marks Uh and scripture cannot be broken. Do you say about the one whom the father set apart and sent into the world? You are blasphemy, blasphemy, blaspheming. That is a weird word. Because I said, I am the son of God. If I do not perform deeds of my father, do not believe me, but I do not. But if I do them, even if you do not believe me, believe the deeds so that you may come to know and understand that I am in the father and the father is in me. When they then They attempted again to seize him, but he escaped their clutches. That sounds like a total John Wick movie. (laughs) Just like them all sitting at the dinner table with stones in their hand, or at this point, sitting by them. Uh And then all of a sudden, they all like try to go for Jesus. (laughs) They exchange looks. They look back and Jesus just isn't there. And they're like, what? What? (laughs) He, He was just here. (laughs) Jesus went back across the Jordan River again to the place where John had been baptizing at an earlier time, and he stayed there. Many came to him and began to say, John performed no miraculous sign, but everything John said about this man is true, and many believed in Jesus there. So, these Pharisees, pick up stones. They're ready to stone Jesus. Jesus says, "Why are, for what reason are you stoning me?" And they said, "Because you're blaspheming. You are you are saying that you are God, but you are just a man." Jesus replies, and he says, "All right. 
according to your scriptures, God, capital G, said to certain leaders of the people, I say you are gods, lowercase g. So if the people who received God's message were called gods, why do you call it blasphemy when I say that I'm the son of God? So he's like, okay, in your words, in your, in your scriptures, it's been said that some leaders were considered as gods, lowercase. And now you're all mad at me because I'm saying I'm the son of God. He says, after all, after all, the father set, set me apart and sent me into the world. Here's the deal I give to you. He's explaining. He's like, here's the deal. Don't believe me unless I carry out. Yeah, don't believe me unless I carry out my father's work. But if I do this work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done. And even if you don't believe me, then you will know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. So he's like, listen, in your scriptures, people were considered gods, lowercase, not the almighty, but just gods. So I'm here claiming it and you're all mad at me. Let's just lay it out plainly. If I would do the things that my father has called me to do, if I don't do those things, you don't have to believe me. But if you see me doing the things, then you have the evidence. You know that I must be who I say I am. He's like, you don't have to believe me until you have the evidence. What are they thinking? They're like, well, yeah, you've been doing nothing but giving us evidence. So he's like, once you see the evidence, you will have, even if you don't believe me, well, let me read that again. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works that I have done, even if you don't believe me, then you will know and understand that the father is in me. So he's like, even if you don't believe what I say, you'll be able to see the evidence of what I, what I'm doing. Laying it out very plainly. He's not trying to divert like the question. Yeah. He's just saying like, guys, I can tell you all I want. I have been. How does he start the whole thing? I already told you and you didn't believe me. Jesus can tell you all, all he wants, but for some of us, we're not going to believe him unless we see certain things. Jesus explains fair. Don't believe me unless you see, um, unless you see the evidence, that's fine. But once you see the evidence, you can't deny that I, that the father is in me and I am in the father. You cannot deny that we are the same. So he's giving them an ultimatum. He's like, either you're going to believe me because of what I say, or you're going to believe me because of what I am doing, what I am doing. Both of those things are going to point to me being the son of God. After he leaves the festival, after he, his, his dramatic exit there, he goes beyond the Jordan river to where John the Baptist was, was baptizing and a crowd shows up like many, many follows him and listen to what they say. John didn't perform miraculous signs. But everything he said about this man has come true. So Jesus says, you can either believe what I say or you see what I do. And both of those things are going to lead you to the ultimate conclusion that I am the son of God. These people show up and they're like, John the Baptist was baptizing all these people, but he never did miracles. And we were like really big fans. Like, like John the Baptist was like, like a big name then of like everyone was hearing about him because he was just like, he had these incredible teachings. And so they're coming to Jesus now and they're like, you know, John had really good lessons, but he never did miracles. 
and everything he said about you came true. So you said you would be the Messiah. He said you would be the Messiah. And then you did the things that prove you're the Messiah. What choice do we have now? Yeah. Like, you have presented the evidence. It's like the teacher is giving you an answer to a test. Mm-hmm. Like, you would be so, so stupid to not choose that answer. <laughs> he's, he's trying to lay it out as plainly as he can. He, mm, he literally but can't it do also, it Yes. But it also has to be your choice. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to still come to him. Yeah. As the sheep, you have to still hear the father's voice and then go to the gate. Mm-hmm. Go to the field. So, as these sheep are, are listening, some people don't know. Some people don't understand it. And it's like, okay, you're not my sheep. Mm-hmm. Those that belong to me will know my voice. And as they, as, as, as these people are picking apart the evidence, it's clicking. Yeah. And so they're hearing the voice. And then they're able to follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else to add to this chapter? Not really. No. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. I mean, again, the saga is just continuing. Yeah. I have to remind myself that, like, this is the point of John's writing. Mm -hmm. The whole point of John's writing is, like, showing that Jesus is the Messiah. Laying it out for us. Yeah. So that's why it's, like, story after story after story. Mm -hmm. It seems – I was thinking about it as we – we're getting ready for the study. I'm like, it almost seems repetitive. Yeah. But it's like getting designed that way. Yeah. Because John is writing down every instance. Well, not even every, but he's like, I'm trying to give you all the evidence that you would need so that you would believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's just story upon story upon story of Jesus interacting with these Pharisees, Jesus interacting with people, performing miracles, proclaiming his deity. Like it's story upon story of that because John is just trying to show you guys, Jesus told us mm-hmm. he is who he says he is. What a question. Who is Jesus to you that everything started with? Next week, we'll continue in chapter 11, Raising of Lazarus. We talked about that just a little a, a little while ago. But yeah, we'll, we'll go into John chapter 11 in our next session. Guys, thank you as always for, for unpacking scripture with me. And sharing you. sharing your insights and questions and all that kind of stuff. To everyone listening, thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate you every single week just tuning in and listening to our podcast. We would love to have your feedback. We have a little like Q and A section section down below of like just letting us know what you thought of the episode or if you have anything that we want uh, that if you have anything for us to talk about. Otherwise, leave us a review and we will see you guys next week. Adios. See ya.